37, verses 1 to 11. Is that right? Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly ornamented, ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaths of corn out in the field when suddenly my sheath rose and stood upright while your sheaths gathered round mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. May the Lord bless the reading to our hearts this morning. Thanks, Nathan. My wife told me I... uh, can't be much longer than 20 minutes, so I'm going to set my clock. And... She reckons I have a, have a tendency to uh, be a bit long-winded and take too long, so start. <laughs> Good to be here with you this morning. Um, This is a pretty incredible story, isn't it? This is the start of a a pretty amazing story of Joseph. In fact, we're at chapter 37. The story of Joseph goes right through uh, to the end of the the, the book and it ends in Genesis 50. The last verse of Genesis 50 says this. So Joseph died at the age of 110. Where do we have him? 17. He died at the age of 110, and after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. Our story's in Canaan, in chapter 37. So we've got quite a few uh, chapters to go, and a lot of stories about Joseph. An incredible story. The Old Testament is actually full of stories, isn't it? Who can remember? Um, Just going back to Sunday school, church years... What are some of the stories in the Old Testament that stick out in your mind? Sing out to me. Red Sea, crossing of the Red Sea. David and Goliath. Noah and the Ark. Jonah and the whale. Big fish. Yep. Daniel in the lion's den. Ruth. Esther. Abraham and Isaac. What about... 
Samson. I, I actually, um, I can identify with Samson. You might have to wait till the, the end of the, the message and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about that. Lots of stories. But is the Old Testament just a bunch of stories? For sure, God's involved, isn't he, in all those stories. But there's even more to it than that. In the Old Testament, God is progressively, first of all, revealing who he is. So uh, there's one R there, revelation. God's revealing who he is. Abraham did not know who God was. He had these dreams. His father had lots of idols. He had these dreams and he started following those dreams. God progressively revealed to Abraham who he was and what he expected. And we see that right through the Old Testament. God showing us who he was and what he wanted. One R, Revelation. Second R is redemption. God is progressively bringing about redemption. And we see lots and lots of pictures in the Old Testament. Abraham gets asked to to sacrifice uh, his son, doesn't he? But there's lots of other times when the people rebel against God and they're punished. They're, They're being oppressed by someone, by another group. And God sends some sort of a miracle to save them. A person, a group of people. God is continually uh, redeeming the people from where they're at. And the whole Old Testament, again, leads to a redemption that's coming that we have gone past and have seen happen, the coming of the Lord Jesus. So revelation, God's progressive revelation, God's progressive redemption and God's progressive reign. There's a thread that weaves right through the Old Testament and it culminates in the coming of Jesus Christ to this earth. His life, his death and his resurrection. The man Jesus Christ is now beside God. We have been redeemed and God's reign is here on this earth. The kingdom of God is within you if you are a believer. The kingdom of God is here right now, within you. Isn't that amazing? And one day, the kingdom of God is going to be complete when there is no more sin, no more sorrow, when the Lord Jesus comes again. So the whole Old Testament is pointing to Jesus coming and what's going to happen. And we can look back and see that very clearly. But without this Old Testament... We wouldn't even know who Jesus was. We, we, this prepares the way. It's like John, Bap, John the Baptist, really. Prepares the way for Jesus to come and to do what he did. So as we look at these stories in the Old Testament, we have to keep that in mind. They didn't know who God was and he was progressively revealing himself, but also progressively bringing about a redemption and reign, his reign, his rule. Let's keep that in mind as we look at at this story. But, you know, the other thing, we're suddenly in chapter 37. Where were we last week? Chapter 18? We're back with with Abraham 
and uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. There's lots and lots happened, and, and I can't cover the whole lot today to bring you up to speed, but I want to flash through, have a look at a, a few quick, quick things. Uh, first of all, Abraham and Isaac did... Uh, sorry, Abraham and Sarah did have a son, and his name was Isaac. So they had a son. God, Remember the promises God made? They had to wait till they were very old, but God's promise was fulfilled. They had a son, Isaac. What happened after that? I, I already mentioned Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son, um, but God provi- provided a lamb instead. Um, what else happened next? Isaac married his cousin, Rebecca had twin sons, Esau and then Jacob. Um, We look back at the story, we realise treachery was part of life back then. They tricked each each other and, 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 and they did things to fool each other. Jacob stole the birthright of his elder... Esau was born first. He, had, he should have had the elder son's birthright. Jacob tricked the father and stole his birthright. Do you know that Isaac's favourite son was Esau? Rebecca's favourite son was Jacob. So in our story, we're reading about Joseph. And Jacob, the father, had a favourite son. And that was Joseph. So this sort of thing was, was rife in, in that day and age. What happened next? Oh, Jacob stole the birthright and he, he ran away. He uh, was down in Canaan and he ran all the way back up to Haran where his father uh, had lived and, and died and he went to Uncle Laban's house and he'd only worked there a month and he fell in love with Rachel, Laban's daughter. And he said, I want to marry her. He said, you worked with me seven years and I'll let you marry her. Came to the end of the seven years, Uncle Laban tricked him again. All in robes, he didn't realise it wasn't Rachel who was marrying, it was her eldest sister, Leah. And Jacob said, you, you tricked me. I wanted to marry Rachel. I love Rachel. He said, all right, work for me for another seven years. So he did. Worked another seven years and he married Rachel. Then he wanted some uh, livestock. And he said, look, I'll, I'll take all your speckled livestock, all your ones that aren't perfect. And Laban says, okay, but then he hid all those ones. And... Uh, Jacob worked another six years and he tricked his uncle by putting something in their water so that when they were born, they were speckled and weren't perfect. So there's all this trickery and treachery was part of life back then. Finally, he ran away after working for his uncle for 20 years with his uncle's two daughters and his families and the livestock that he'd procured. On, uh, on the journey, he has a, uh, a dream. And in that dream, he sees a stairway to heaven. And God reiterates the promises to Abraham, to Jacob. Tells him, you're going, you're going to have great family and they're going to be blessed. They're going to be a blessing to everybody. And you're going to possess this land. So he gives him something, gives him some, some promises. Jacob later has another dream when he's running away from Esau because Esau comes after him. 
and he has a wrestle with God. Someone he believed to be God. And this wrestle with this, this went all night and then God told him that his name was going to change. So instead of being Jacob, it was going to be Israel. When we look at the nation of Israel, this is where the nation of Israel came from. And the, the, the word Israel, the, the name Israel, comes from this very person, Jacob. God changed his name. Have a guess what? He has 12 sons. Uh, half a dozen from Leah. Uh, two each from each of their servants because they were having competitions to see who could have the most children and Rachel was having trouble so the, the, the maidservants became involved and Jacob had, had children with them as well. And then Rachel, at the end, has two children. The first one, and don't forget, Jacob loved Rachel. First one that she had was Joseph. The second one she had was Benjamin. And she died in childbirth as Benjamin was born. This is why Jacob loves Joseph so much. He loved Rachel. And he'd been waiting. This is, this, this is right at the end of his, his family of 12, uh, plus a daughter. But 12 sons. Joseph with his favourite. And we see in this story, he loved Joseph. And he made him this special coat, very colourful coat. And his brothers hated him even the more. He dobbed them in at one stage, so he must have been a little bit arrogant at 17 years old. He went and, and saw things they're doing and he's told his father. And they got upset. He had a coat from his father. They got upset. They could not even say a kind word to him. They hated him. What can we learn from this story? As you can see, it's an imperfect family. That's what life was like back then, but this family was no different. How many of us have imperfect families? None of us are perfect, are we? Do you know what? There's some incredible things come out of this this story. Uh, Joseph it's unbelievable. Going from this young 17-year-old, he was a, a strapping young fella, good-looking, uh, it tells us later on, and, and fairly well-built. But the family he came from was dysfunctional. They, our brothers hated him. They're about to do some terrible things to him that he has to face. Do you know what? We can't wait till either our families or or we are perfect to allow God to work in and through our lives. God can work in and through our lives in spite of our imperfections, in spite of. Dysfunction is a big part of our family life in this day and age, isn't it? We need to be a difference in that, in relying on God, and allowing to God to, to work in and through us to help other people in those same situations. 
Um, we had a, a situation with a family member who um, decided to uh, leave his wife and when we spoke up and said what we thought, didn't talk to us for uh, 14 years or something until uh, father died. It can be tough. All we can do in that situation is to pray for that person, to continue to pray for that person. The promises made to Abraham didn't come about straight away. These dreams that Joseph's just had, his brothers are going to bow down to him, his mother and father are going that didn't happen overnight. But you know, we see Joseph hanging on to those. God and our relationship with him is the most important thing. He can overcome dysfunction. He can overcome things that are are troubling and worrying. As we mentioned earlier, who was it? Nathan, I think. God looks at our heart. God used all sorts of people in the Old Testament. Some of them are pretty ordinary people. But God looks at the heart. Where's your heart at? First thing, an imperfect family. The second thing, God spoke through dreams here. That's how God mainly spoke to people in those times. Abraham had dreams about God. He didn't know who this God was. You see that last verse, 11. I'll read 10 as well. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. His father himself had had dreams. From God. And there's lots of people in those early chapters, if you go back and look at them, had dreams. That's how God communicated. God seems to use dreams in, 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 in things, in, in times where it's really, really important. Remember in the New Testament, remember Mary, mother of Jesus. Remember Joseph, had about four dreams. The Apostle Paul had dreams that God spoke to him and revealed things to him. I don't think in our day and age God uses dreams quite as much. Two reasons that I can think of is, one, we have the scriptures, and two, we have his Holy Spirit within us. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a second. If you have a look at the newsletter this week, Miles put a a little section in, That covers dreams pretty well. Have a look at that. Have a read of that. Joseph would have had these dreams etched in his brain for the rest of his life. Do you know what? It gave him an anchor point. When he's in the pits, literally... When he's in the pits, when, when there's things going wrong in his life, when, 
he doesn't see any hope or any future, he looks back, God gave me that dream. My brothers are going to bow down and my parents, he must be going to bring this about. Abraham, God made promises to Abraham and it didn't seem to happen. They didn't have any children. How, how could the whole world benefit from Abraham? He was walking up with Isaac, up, up, up to the sacrificial, to sacrifice Isaac. God had told him to sacrifice Isaac. And Isaac looked and said, Father, we've got the wood, we've got the fire, where is the lamb? What are we going to sacrifice? You know what Abraham said? God will provide. He knew that God had promised him in the, in the dreams, God had promised him in the visions that a whole bunch of people would come from him, that his, his, his descendants would be numerous and the whole earth would be blessed. That's Jesus, isn't he? Speaking about Jesus coming to bless the whole earth. Abraham believed God and it was an anchor point for him to remember. And it was the same for Joseph. How does God speak to us? I already mentioned two things. We have the Bible to read. And we have the spirit of the living God, the spirit of the creator God within us if we are a believer. If we have accepted the fact that Jesus died on the cross for us and we've handed our lives over to him, we have the Spirit of God, a share of God's life within us. That's amazing. It's incredible. There's a whole bunch of ways that the Spirit guides us. If we look at different Bible passages in the New Testament, He guides us into truth in John 16. The Holy Spirit allows us to understand the things of God in 1 Corinthians 2 and 12. He leads people where to go. We Philip and the eunuch in Acts chapter 8. He led Philip straight to the eunuch. The Holy Spirit sets believers apart for ministry. Acts chapter 13, 2 to 4. The Holy Spirit sometimes stops our plans. So we think God has a way ahead for us and we go down that track Sometimes the Holy Spirit stops and says, no, don't do that. He did that with Paul and his companions in Acts chapter 16. The Holy Spirit can also sometimes lead us into difficult circumstances. Remember, uh, in Acts 20, 22 to 23, Paul was led to persecution and imprisonment. God's Spirit will guide us as believers. Sometimes it's a thought, it's an idea, sometimes a message from the pulpit, sometimes a Christian friend or Christian friends are involved. Passages we've read in the Bible. As Miles said, any idea we think has come from God should be checked against what's in God's Word. It's often a good idea if we think God's speaking to us to bounce it off some mature Christians that we know, maybe church leadership. If it's something 
particularly out of the ordinary, or something we think that's, that's quite large that God wants us to do. We definitely need to pray about it and consider the things he says in the Bible. Are we seeking guidance for everything in our lives? Faith is belief, so I believe that there's a God. And trust, I trust that God. I trust him. But it's also a resultant action. If we really believe, if we really have faith, then we will act. We will live out our relationship with God in and amongst the people we're surrounded by. That can be our family. That can be our neighbours. That can be our work situation. That can be a community where we live. You know, sometimes God just goes before us. And this is what he does with Joseph. Joseph's not making any decisions here in the future. God, he is following, he is trusting God, but God goes before him and makes things happen. Um, sometimes those things are good, sometimes they're bad. We, uh, we decided that I was going to retire at the end of 2023. So we'd sell our house at the end of 20, 2023 and we're going to go to Gem Life over at Highfields. Unbeknownst to us, a letter appears in our letterbox and someone wants to buy a house. We think, hang on, we're not going to sell our house to the end of next year. What, what, what's going on here? We invite them round. They have a look. They spend a couple of hours at our house. They bring their grandchildren over. They love our house. They say, yeah, we want to buy it. And we went, right. Give us a the price, they said. And they went off. A week later, I gave them the top end of the price I thought that I could get for the house over the phone and he rang back within 10 minutes and said, yeah, my wife said buy it. I went, what am I going to do? Where are we going to live? What's, what's... <coughs> Came to early this year and uh, Karen's position was made redundant. And then not long after, my role as a chaplain um, finished up. And we, we were puzzled initially when this whole house thing happened, we thought, what's going on? But you know what? God knew what was going to happen to us. And we were in a position where we could handle it. Our debt was gone and we moved over to Gem Life and we were at an over 50s resort over there um, in a lovely little villa. And we were able to handle the things that happened to us. So sometimes God goes before us and looking back we say, well, that wasn't us. We didn't decide to do that. That was God. We can do that in our lives, can't we? We can look back and see the things that God has done and the way he has led us. Sometimes, you know, those things aren't so good, like Paul and the apostles. Um, Quite a number of years ago now, I found myself in a hospital bed and I didn't have use of my arm. We just moved from Sydney, left our family, left our home, taken our family out to the back of Burke, literally. And a number of things that happened before that that made us question, are we doing the right thing here? We had our car stolen, we had a bad car accident. And then we had this situation occurred where I was actually shot in the arm, the rifle, 22, hollow hollow point 22 rifle. And I didn't have the use of my arm. We'd given up 
everything we thought we had and moved out to Burke to serve God, to, to, to be part of a, uh, a cornerstone, uh, a mission group, um, mentoring and discipling youth and teaching. I was teaching Old Testament and ethics. Suddenly I had no arm. I was playing my guitar at worship. I was using the computer to do the finances for the organisation. Everything involved my right arm. Suddenly I had no right arm. It seemed like I was never going to use my hand again. I remember lying in hospital bed on a Sunday afternoon. No visitors there at that stage. And on the TV was a movie of Samson and Delilah. Got to the point where Samson had his hair cut short. He had his eyes poked out and there he was. Pushing the mill to grind the grain. And I identified with Samson. I'm never going to be, be able to use my right arm. I've, I've left all these things and I've come up here to do this for God. I'm never going to be, use, be able to use this right arm again. I cried. Lying in bed there, I wept. But I said, Father, this is not my problem. This is your problem. I've come up here to do what you want me to do. I can't write on, we use chalkboards in those days. I, I can't write on the chalkboard. I can't play my guitar if I don't have a right arm. I can't do the finances on the computer. I don't have a right arm. This is your problem. Show me what to do. Show me what else you want me to do. It's a bad thing that happened. Do you know what? God used that. And like these dreams for Joseph, that's been an anchor point in my life, handing over to God. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Sometimes they're good things, but sometimes they're bad and they're terrible things. Hand it over to God. Let him worry about it. You are his son or his daughter. You have his Holy Spirit within you. Hand over to him. A couple of days later, the nurses had been showering me and uh, my son was in there as a teenager. He says, I'll shower you, Dad. So we went in the shower and he's showering me away and a song came to my mind. The song was Because He Lives. Do you know, my son and I belted that out, the top of our voices, not realising that that shower wasn't actually closed in. <laughs> there was a hollow area above that went right through the whole ward and we were at the top of our voices singing. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Good, bad or otherwise, my future is in his hands. I am his. Father, do with me as, as you will and bring good things even out of those bad things that happen. And he can. Let's sing our, our final song.